0: Everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King. We're back again with a conversation from our 2021 Economic Summit and Outlook a few weeks back. CBIA's Vice President of Government Affairs, Eric Getty, moderated a roundtable discussion with four state legislators that signed our Rebuilding Connecticut pledge. You'll hear the voices of state Senators Kathy Austin, Democrat from Baltic, and Heather Summers, Republican from Mystic as well as State Representatives Tom O'Day, Republican from New Canaan, and the new House Majority Leader Jason Rojas, Democrat from East Hartford. The bipartisan group discusses a wide range of priority issues, including small business relief, transportation investments, workforce development, urban renewal, and taxes— This episode is very timely, as a coalition of moderate Democratic state lawmakers this week rejected calls by other members of their party for costly tax hikes, many targeting businesses. You can also watch this podcast and learn more about CBIA's policy priorities at CBIA.com. As always, please rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, here's a conversation between Eric and the state lawmakers. Enjoy.
1: Today, we are here and very fortunate to have a bipartisan group of state lawmakers to discuss some of the policy proposals CBIA has put forward in its 2021 agenda and our Rebuild Connecticut Pledge, as well as their views on what we will be uh, seeing at the state capitol over the coming weeks. Now, before I introduce our panelists, I just want to remind everyone at home that uh, this is meant to be an interactive session, so please use the chat function located in the middle of your screen to submit any questions. So with that, uh, now I'd like to get on to uh, introducing our speakers. So first, uh, I'd like to introduce Senator Kathy Austin from Connecticut's 9th Senate District, which includes the towns of Columbia, Franklin, Hebron, Lebanon, Ledyard, Lisbon, Marlboro, Montville, Norwich, and Sprague. She currently serves as the chair of the Appropriations Committee and also serves on the Public Safety, General Law, Legislative Management, Regulation Review, Transportation, and Veteran Committees. Also with us is Senator Heather Summers from the 18th Senate District, which include the towns of Griswold, Groton, North Stonington, Plainfield, Preston, Sterling, uh, Stonington, and Voluntown. She's currently serving as the ranking member on both the public health and transportation committees and also serves on the Appropriations and Executive and Legislative Nominations Committee. Also is with us is Representative Jason Rojas of the 9th House District, which includes the towns of East Hartford and Manchester. And he is the newly elected majority leader of the Connecticut State House. And he's now responsible for all the committees, but he spent a number of sessions as the chairperson of the Finance, Revenue, and Bonding Committee. And then finally, Representative Tom O'Day of the 125th House District, which includes the towns of New Canaan and Wilton. He is one of the deputy deputy minority leaders serving on the Environment, Transportation, Judiciary and Legislative Management Committees. Good morning to you all now let's start right off with uh, a a question on uh, what what are your priorities going into the 2021 legislative session Senator Austin I'd like to start with you and then we'll uh, we'll go right in the order that I introduced you.
2: Well thank you very much and it's a pleasure to be here uh, this morning and uh, I say good morning to all my colleagues and uh, everyone that's on the call today. Um, uh, I have uh, essentially uh, a number of different priorities. Uh, uh, One of them is to modernize gaming in the uh, state. Uh, That would protect some 12,000 jobs in Eastern Connecticut. Uh, It's been a major priority of the uh, Eastern Connecticut delegation, and it is something that uh, I think needs to get done this legislative session. Um, And I'm hopeful that we can get that through the legislature this year. I also put in a a number of bills revolving around mental health, and I think that uh, mental health and the crisis that we're going to see once we start opening up from the pandemic is going to overwhelm uh, both uh, state agencies, our schools, and some uh, business environments too as people decide that they can no longer work in those environments. In addition to that, I put in a a number of bills revolving around opening up a pandemic uh, office uh, to make sure that we're prepared for the next event and to put in place uh, structures that would outline what our schools should do, how we can help our small businesses and our nonprofits uh, to be successful. Uh, Make sure that uh, we're preparing um, and providing the supports for the agricultural experimental station, which did a lot of work uh, uh, when we had the avian bird flu in uh, uh, some of the flocks uh, around Connecticut um, uh, uh, industry, that the agricultural industry is a $4 billion industry in the state of Connecticut. We need to make sure that we're supporting uh, those folks. And uh, quite frankly, we need to do a lot with... um, Uh, workforce development. Uh, We are going to see a lot of people that need to repurpose their careers because some of the industries uh, are not going to come back at full force for uh, months, if not years. Uh, Those are uh, my uh, general legislative priorities this session.
1: Fantastic. And how about you, Senator Summers? Uh, What are your priorities for the 2021 legislative session?
3: Uh Thank you for hosting this today. Thank you to my colleagues for joining me and thank you to folks who are tuning in. And uh, I look forward to the dialogue with the questions and answers. My priorities this session really focus on on the pandemic and COVID as a ranking member of public health. This is my fifth year on public health. And unless we can get COVID under control, we're gonna see our economy continue to suffer. So my first priority is COVID, getting people vaccinated, um, making sure we have enough vaccine here. I sit on the governor's vaccine task force advisory committee and we are working diligently um, to make sure that we can obtain as much vaccine as possible and get it into as many people as possible, that also leads to the other priority, which is to get our children back in our schools. Um, we are going to see uh, children really step take a step back just because of the nature of what they've endured, and the distance learning, which was not um you know fully um, It hadn't really run its course. We didn't have it down to a science when we first started this pandemic. Um, In addition to the healthcare with COVID, um, what we've seen during the pandemic are clearly voids within our healthcare system that really truly need to be addressed. Mental health, behavioral health, um, and telehealth are also priorities of our public health committee as a whole. Uh, We will be hearing um, them as large committee bills so that we can provide opportunities for all in a bipartisan way to come in so we can shape our legislation with the best ideas moving forward. Um, Along with that comes with other priorities as far as a former business owner here in the state of Connecticut for 20 years. Um, I I clearly have always been dedicated and think we need to rethink about the way we um, demand whether it's professional uh, licensing and the regulations that really uh, put a stranglehold on our small businesses and our individual businesses um, that are trying to survive here in Connecticut. So I think we need to do a, a serious look at what we've done in the pandemic through executive orders for businesses that have actually really been positive and make sure that those are codified in statute. That would go a long way for many of the small businesses that I have spoken to. Um, I also have priorities on workforce development along with Senator Austin, I believe that that's something that we absolutely need to focus on. And that can be based in healthcare. We've seen a lot of issues with recruiting, recruitment of physicians, of uh, nurses, and also of CNAs. We are in uh, dire need for that kind of support here in the state of Connecticut. So there's opportunities to focus there along with other in the workforce development area. And lastly, I think we need to consider serious tax relief for our businesses. Um, some of the larger businesses have been able to wear uh, through this pandemic fairly well, but our small businesses have been really uh, significantly impacted. Um, you know, we've lost over 1,100 restaurants in the state of Connecticut alone. So we need to think about what we can do as a legislature to ease the burden for our small businesses because they are our employers. They're going to help grow our economy, etc. So those are my top priorities, along with gaming. That's a very big issue in Eastern Connecticut. Um, Senator Austin has taken the lead on that, uh, but she has full support uh, from the Eastern Delta Eastern Connecticut delegation, and it's something that's not just good for Eastern Connecticut, it is good for the entire state of Connecticut. So those are a few of my priorities. I look forward to working in a bipartisan uh, manner to try to do what is best for Connecticut to get us back and up and running and get our economy back to where it should be. Thank you.
1: Uh, so Mr. Majority Leader, what are your priorities for the 2021 legislative session?
4: Uh, th- uh, thanks, Eric, uh, for having me on and to my colleagues. Thanks for joining us and to, certainly to all our guests in the business community. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity to join you today. Um, You know, similar to uh, Senator Summers, Senator Austin, some of the things that they said most important, I think, is ensuring that we continue to ramp up testing and getting our vaccination process right so that we can build confidence and rebuild confidence in the residents of Connecticut to try to to know that they feel safe to resume some of the normal activities that I think we need them um, to resume not only for their health, uh, their personal health, Um, and mental well-being, but also for the the health of our state's economy and so many of our businesses that have been impacted by uh, the pandemic. Uh, Certainly supporting a lot of those businesses. We all A lot has been talked about the restaurant industry and the impact that's been had on them. Um, I work in higher education um, outside of politics, and we've been impacted um, by by the pandemic as well. Um, I think you think about our community college um, system, which is under significant strain, finding ways to support them. Um, so that we can get students back into the classroom, so that we can fill that pipeline of jobs that we all know exists and and that we know a lot of our employers are struggling to fill. Um, I think we need to look ahead to the eviction and housing crisis. Um, You know, we continue, obviously, to put moratoriums on on eviction. It's been done at the state level. Uh, President Biden has extended um, that as well. Um, But we all know well that at some time um, that issue is going to come due and we have to be prepared to address it. Uh, not only for the residents who are uh, facing a, a crisis, but a lot of the property owners as well. Um, you know, they've experienced some difficult situation where they've lost a lot of revenue um, to what is their, their small business, and we have to be prepared to address that. Um, I think uh, education, Senator Summers made reference to that, we know Um, that there's gonna be a pretty significant learning loss that takes place in a lot of districts, particularly in districts like mine, uh, in East Hartford and and Manchester, where we have a higher poverty rate um, and, and where inequities that we already knew existed before the pandemic were only exacerbated as we've gone throughout it and ensuring that the students who have been most impacted by that learning loss are able to be supported adequately so that we can advance uh, their academic uh, potential and that their academic careers as we go back to uh, what I hope to be some sense of normalcy in the fall. Obviously, I think the budget is gonna be on top of mind for everybody. I think financially we're in a, if the state is in a pretty strong position um, as we head into this next biennial budget, um, I think we should do all we can to uh, do no harm Uh, to avoid any kind of tax increases either on individuals and or the business community um, so that they can continue to recover and in fact grow um, and grow our state's economy, which results in increased revenue for the state budget. Um, Personally, I'm interested in a lot of the conversations that's going on around housing and zoning, Um, You know, those issues very much impact economic development and economic competitiveness as well, um, as well as being able to recruit people to come here in Connecticut and live, knowing that uh, housing is expensive here in the state and and doing all we can to increase access to opportunity for people who live here, um, but also to make it more competitive for people to want to move here and live here um, and not use uh, as much as their income as they have to use uh, to cover their housing costs. Um, And one other issue that um, perhaps is not viewed as a business issue, but I think it is, is Uh, literacy and how we teach reading in our schools, particularly in kindergarten to third grade, Um, we really need, we can improve upon how we teach reading. And I think that's critical to educational success. And of course, that's critical to post-secondary access, as well as having the best employees possible to take on a lot of the jobs that we know exist out there that are largely going unfilled.
1: Fantastic, and then uh, finally, Representative O'Day, your 2021 legislative priorities.
4: Thank you very
5: much, Eric. And uh, I wanna thank all of you business leaders and small business owners that are on this call, as Eric knows, since I was elected in 2012, I looked at every piece of legislation that came come before me and looked at it as though whether it would help grow small business and businesses throughout the state or not. Because the only way we're getting out of this fiscal hole that we're in in Connecticut is through small business owners. You're the largest employers. And uh, um, so I'm going to do everything I can to help you grow. Um as far as this legislative session the four of us are all in agreement it sounds like we could almost uh, hang up and go home uh we'll get this economy fixed but i would say my priorities uh in addition to uh, addressing every piece of legislation as how it's going to affect businesses to uh propping up the unemployment fund um this pandemic was not your fault and so i don't believe you should have to uh bear the brunt of uh the unemployment fund deficit um I also believe we should cut the hotel tax, at least temporarily. Uh, we need to grow tourism. I know it's right now and uh, we're still addressing the pandemic, but we need to, to, uh, to help our hotels and tourism industry. Um, I also think we need to bring a more certainty to the process on how businesses are going to be asked to close down because we don't want you ordering food or whatever supplies you need. And then 24 hours later, you're told you need to shut down. Uh, that's just not right and shouldn't be done. So... Um in addition getting kids back in school I heard that that's imperative for our business owners particularly small business owners. So, uh, that's a priority of mine and has been And as senator austin and I think, uh, uh senator summer said mental health Uh is a key this pandemic and the shutdown has caused so much uh, problems for our children, uh, and uh adults in the mental health area So I agree with my colleagues on that score. So open up to questions. I really wanna hear uh, what you all want us to do.
1: Fantastic, and that's a great reminder to all of the folks watching at home. Please uh, submit your questions using the chat function below. Um, We will get to those uh, very shortly. Now, Representative O'Day, um, I wanna start with you on our next question. Um, Do you get a sense that your fellow uh, House Republican caucus members understand the impact of the pandemic and and what it's done to business community? That's an easy one.
5: Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I think, um, uh, now you're seeing, and I, 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 uh, representative Rojas's comments were spot on. Uh, we're in a hundred percent agreement and our caucus is united both in the Senate and the house Republicans on the devastating impact. And, um, you know, the, the fact that we, unfortunately, I think as a state picked some winners and losers, uh, a lot of small businesses were shut down, but the big box stores were allowed to stay open. And that was one of the biggest problems I had, because if you want to control crowds, it's easier to mom and pop store than it is at a big box store. But that being said, I think going forward, the, the caucus is in unity in helping uh, the business community.
1: Fantastic. And how about you, Representative Rojas? Are the uh, House Democrats, are, do they understand all of them, the full impact that the pandemic has had on the business community?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, we have small business owners within the House Democratic Caucus. Right. So they were able to offer a perspective um, that was probably pretty consistent with what we were hearing from our constituents who are small business owners. Um, You know, the the, the conversation around the impact on the restaurant industry. Right. Everybody has restaurants in their district. And, you know, I've been in regular contact with some of the owners in my district. um, And I know my colleagues in the House in the House Democratic Caucus have been in conversation Um, with business owners of all kind within their districts, too. So there's a lot of sensitivity um, and a lot of interest in trying to figure out exactly how we can best support them.
1: Senator Summers, how about the the Senate Republican Caucus and uh, Senator Austin, how how about the uh, Senate Democratic Caucus? Everyone in full uh, understanding of the impact that it's had? I mean, what are you hearing from your colleagues? We'll start with you, Senator Summers.
3: Yes, I will say that uh, my uh, Senate Caucus most of us are small business owners, so we have experienced it either personally or um, in a very close manner. I think everybody in this this the Republican Senate is on the same page as far as um, the understanding the impact, uh, not only to our schools, but to our businesses and, and the correlation and the connection between the two. And we want to do everything we can to support small business and large business. I think the difference that you will find going forward will be um, how both caucuses decide how to help them and and the method in which we we proceed to do that
2: i I would just say that the senate democrats um have all through the pandemic had weekly phone calls and there wasn't a a phone call that we had that did not bring up one uh uh set of businesses or another set of businesses as we uh work through this process and i i do agree with um senator summers that uh how we fix this problem for small businesses uh, is going to be the great debate, but everybody is in lockstep with doing something for small businesses.
1: And Senator uh, Austin, we'll stick with you or we'll start with you on this, on this first uh, or this next question, excuse me. Now, Each one of you, um, you know, represent a different caucus uh, up at the legislature. Uh, You're all from different parts of the state. Yet every one of you signed on to the CBIA Rebuild Connecticut Pledge uh, this past fall. Now, what was it about that pledge that caused you to lend your support? And again, starting with you, Senator Austin. Uh,
2: Thank you very much. Um, for that and uh, I signed on for two specific reasons that uh, have been major platforms of any uh, legislation that um, I have put in each year that I've been up there and that has been workforce development as a matter of fact um, my first uh, uh, session uh, my first two years in the General Assembly I put a bill in directly reflective of workforce development in order to deal with the problems that Eastern Connecticut was having as we were seeing a decline uh, in uh, the hospitality industry. Uh, that, that is uh, number one for me, is to get that workforce development uh, moving forward uh, as I continue to pr- pressure the Department of Labor to open up their American job centers so that we can get people there to repurpose their skills um in addition to that, uh, I would I would say that infrastructure investment is is critical for us to move Connecticut forward. And we need to put some real dollars into fixing our transportation system. That is uh, one of the number one issues that business owners talk to me about is how are we going to get our transportation system up and running? How can I get my uh, my product from point A to point B? faster? How can I get my supplies in faster? All of that would cost me uh, less money and it would provide me with an ability to be more successful. Uh, So those are the two major uh, components of uh, the rebuild uh, platform that I signed on for.
1: Fantastic. And certainly transportation, an issue we're going to get back to a little later in this segment. Uh, Senator Summers, what was it that, uh, that attracted you to the rebuild Connecticut pledge enough to lend your support to it?
3: Uh, Well, as a uh, former business owner for many years in the state of Connecticut, um, workforce development is very important to me, um, as uh, Senator uh, Austin had mentioned. But one of the primary reasons I wanted to sign on was I liked your manding change in a bipartisan way. I thought that was uh, very important, and I think we need more bipartisan uh, input into the budget and into bills going forward, even though we are overwhelmed by one party we need to have all voices at the table so that we can come up with the best legislation for the people of connecticut i also am very uh keen on the apprenticeship program that you mentioned with tax credits i know that's something that my business could have used and i would like to see um a more focus with our schools so that when we graduate somebody from high school. They actually have whether it's a, uh, a micro-certificate, so they have a skill when they're graduating from our high schools and work with businesses to create an apprenticeship program in a standard high school, so that when we graduate children from from school, they if they can't afford to go to college, they have an opportunity to have the skill to go to community college and move on. It's done in other countries. It's very successful. And that's something that I had a bill on last year with Senator Martin and Senator Formica. And I'm hoping that we can uh, continue that. Those are the real reasons why I signed on to your pledge.
1: We appreciate that. Uh, representative O'Day, why did you sign on to the rebuild Connecticut pledge?
5: Three words, all of it. Uh, at the end of the day, um, to grow small business, and that's been my mantra since I got to Hartford. And Eric, as you know, I come to you all the time and say, you know, what do you think? How can we fix it? So, any legislation that comes before me that isn't going to grow jobs, I'm going to have a problem with it.
1: Perfect. Well, uh, Representative Rojas, it's going to be really difficult for you to beat all of it as an answer, but what was it that caused you to sign on to the Rebuild Connecticut Pledge?
4: Yeah, no, listen, you know, upon reading it, I articulated a vision um, for how we can improve our business climate and and grow our state's economy here. And and I happen to believe that if it came from CBIA, that it reflects a pretty broad spectrum of businesses here in the state of Connecticut. So that's helpful information for any legislator or any policymaker to be aware of. Um, And, you know, it was a a vision, I think, for moving our state forward that many components of it, um, you know, were consistent with things that I think are important to moving the state forward.
1: Now, this question, uh, I'll I'll direct it to any one of you that want to answer it. Um, You know, something you said, uh, Senator Summers, in your last response about all voices being at the table uh, and how important that is. There's obviously one key voice that's not going to be allowed in the building uh, this year, in the legislative office building or the Capitol, and that, of course, is the public um now what steps uh are 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 you in your caucuses trying to take just to ensure that there continues to be as much transparency as possible in the legislative process and I'll, i'll take whoever wants to start please
3: the fact that we are in a virtual session is difficult for many and um our caucus did not agree to the rules because we felt very strongly that the people of connecticut should have an opportunity to come and have their grievances and their voices be heard in person. Um, We have been able to manage voting in that way. Uh, We thought that there should be an opportunity for that. Not everyone has access to uh, computers, to Zoom, to broadband. Um, People can still submit written testimony And we also thought that if we were going to have a virtual session that we should focus on the bills that really pertain to the budget and COVID related that we should not be hearing highly emotional and um, controversial bills that could be set aside until the next year after the pandemic um, has uh, passed us. So that's where our caucus has, has stand. Um, Obviously the rules were, were, adopted, so what we've been trying to do um, in committees, in our public health committee anyway, is to allow people to do perhaps a three minute video on their testimony that they could submit um, and so we could read their, look at their video. Um, We're trying to make an opportunity for people to call in, for testimony during public hearings, if they do not have the access to broadband or to a computer, it's very difficult because many people that wanna testify, for example, I've experienced that here in my own house and we supposedly have 5G, although that's you know not necessarily working at times when you have a child at home that you're trying to um, you know, distance learn or three children on three different Zooms at the same time and you're also working as a business person trying to do your business um, via the internet, it just doesn't work. Sometimes it's, it's just impossible. So that's where we stand. We're doing everything we can to um, that our citizens have an opportunity to weigh in. This is a difficult time and we understand the conditions that we're under in the pandemic but those were the requests that we focus on things really pertaining to the budget, the economy, and leave the really highly emotionally charged bills that could wait for another day to set aside.
2: Uh, So uh, clearly the rules were adopted and the the rules um, uh, were uh, worked on in a bipartisan fashion. Uh, They were not uh, established by just um, one party. The lawyers from all four caucuses were involved in the rules. uh, I think that this gives us an opportunity this year to test out new technology in getting uh, more people engaged in the process. I often heard that uh, by having um, uh, testimony at 11, 12 at night or one in the morning, as the case may be, that it often shut off people that could not spend all, uh, all day and all night there. Uh, so I think that as we go through this, uh, working in as many pl- in, in as many platforms as possible, that we will uh, figure out a way to have everybody have their voice heard. Um, I know many people are interested uh, in uh, using the Zoom technology uh, appropriations. Uh, we always have nights when we're there very late and we're trying to make sure that we're opening it up for uh, uh, many people from the human services uh, environment that come and spend uh, 12 hours uh, to testify uh, on the budget itself. We believe that we can get as many uh, people as possible there. I do uh, like Senator Summers ideas on uh, the uh, short videos on it, on issues. Um, and I don't think that we should uh, hold back on really discussing uh, the hard topics that need to be discussed. Uh, the pandemic itself is a hard topic, but it has impacted in certain areas that really we need to have a real conversation about. Uh, and uh, uh, Representative Rojas brought up reading. Uh, uh, I've worked in a bipartisan fashion on dyslexia. We have one, uh, one more bill uh, to complete the dyslexia uh, uh, program that we have been uh, folding out over five years. I don't think we should put that off. I think it's too important to put off. Uh, I think that uh, we, we need to have discussions um, on, uh, on many issues that will be controversial for one group or another group. We need to have those robust discussions. Now, what happens at the end of the day, whether we vote all the way uh, it all the way through the process, uh, that's still to be determined. I favor um, rolling out bills a little bit at a time and start voting on bills in February. I think that we can do that, and I think that there's no re- uh, reason for us not to do that. Uh, so that's what I'm hopeful is that we'll uh, roll out some of those pieces of legislation that we can. Uh, Uh, that often wait and get passed on a consensus calendar in the Senate and pass on a 100% bipartisan way in the House, not always on a consent calendar per se, but they have their own methodology of doing that. But I think that this is a way for us to work together. And uh, my commitment is to make sure that Uh, We provide all residents of Connecticut an ability to uh, weigh in on issues uh, that are relative to uh, whatever is of concern to them.
4: There's no doubt, right, the pandemic pandemic has impacted our process. um, And and certainly in many ways it's affected transparency. But I don't know that we're any less transparent than we have been in the past. In fact, we might be. We all know with the public hearing process, um, your ability to participate in, in that process is really predicated on, you know, can you take a day from work? Do you have transportation to get to the Capitol? Um, right, so in many ways, now that we're moving to a, a technology-based um, process, it's an opportunity for more people to be involved in a process. And in terms of transparency as legislators, it's up to us to be accountable to ensure that we are transparent. So. I have an email address, you can still email me. I have a phone, you can still call me. Many people call me at home. I have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a Twitter page where any of my constituents can ask me a question at any given time about a piece of legislation that we're considering. So I don't know that we're any less transparent I think it's actually more of a difficult issue for us as legislators. So much of the work that we do happens passing each other in the hallway, grabbing each other in the cafeteria to talk about a particular issue. Um, You know, that lobbyists are, are obviously are impacted in their ability to do their work. And I know people often try to vilify lobbyists, but in my opinion, they're a critical part of the process and they present a lot of information to us that's useful as we consider the legislation that's before us. Uh, But again, they can email us, they can hit us up on Twitter, on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, So it's really about us being more intentional, about being more accountable to the people that we represent, whether they're individuals and or the business community. Um, and I don't know that the pandemic should disrupt the type of issues that we're taking up in any given year. These issues are important. They come up. There are issues that come up every year. I don't know that we need to put them off. Um, we are a very capable group um, of elected officials. And I think we can manage what is otherwise a difficult process, uh, but one that we we will get through. Um, I think about snowstorms. In the past, a snowstorm would basically stop all business for a day um, if the legislature had committee meetings. Um, I was thinking back to December. There was a snow day. Um, my kids didn't get the day, uh, the day from school off. I um, mean, I didn't get a day off from work because all my work meetings were on Zoom already and I kept all those meetings for that day. So in many ways, it might allow us to be more productive. We, of course, need to be intentional about ensuring that we're maintaining transparency, um, but that responsibility is on all of us to make sure that it happens. And I think we can do that.
1: Appreciate that. And certainly your description of lobbyists uh, brought a little tear to my eye. So I, that was fantastic. Representative O'Day, slightly different question for you. Um, you know, we've we've heard that, that some of the changes as a result of the pandemic i um, have actually been very positive in terms of uh, pr- being more transparent. Um, do you see any permanent changes coming to the legislative process as a result of the pandemic? Uh,
5: look, I, I I don't have much to add to uh, Representative Rojas's comments and everybody's comments. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there's going to be some good out of this. Like uh, Representative Rojas said, we, we will be able to have these meetings and people don't have to miss work for uh, participating. So I think there will, I hope that there'll be some uh, going forward, some way to have people be able to testify uh, in this kind of a format. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to the last two questions, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop
1: there. <laughs> all right. Well, you uh, you you're so excited about the next couple of questions. Why don't we get right into it? Uh, I want to talk about transportation funding. Um, you know, part of the Rebuild Connecticut pledge is the support of a bipartisan transportation funding plan. I think, uh, regardless of the caucus you belong to, we all know that uh, transportation funding is important. We all know that we need a solution. Um, What are some of the solutions maybe that you're going to be put forwarding in in, or or maybe even a step back from that? You know, do you want this to be a bipartisan uh, funding plan? So Representative O'Day, we'll start with you and uh, we'll we'll move on from there. Just
5: real quick, uh, I I think accelerating the sales tax into the transportation fund um, is a good thing. You're going to see because of that Wayfair decision that we're going to be capturing more sales tax in the state. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it's reality. Um, and so, uh, I think a way to, to increase the transportation fund is to push that money or get more of that money. That's going to be, it's going to be extra. It's going to be more than we anticipated and put that directly in the transportation fund. I do believe we should take out all the costs that we had put in there, uh, for the wages and pension obligations that, that weren't in there initially. Um, and I think through the sales tax and taking out the, 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 the uh, expenses that were put in there, we can, uh, certainly have enough money uh, to spend on transportation.
1: Fantastic. I I don't want to skip anyone who wants to weigh on this, but uh, certainly I know that uh, Senator Summers, you are the ranking member on transportation. Um, I'll, I'll defer to you next. If you'd like to to join in. Um,
3: I would say that, um, I think we need to do a reassessment of what transportation looks like, especially after we've just gone through the pandemic and, talk to the business community to see how they are going to um, go on in the future for employment. I know many of the businesses that I've spoken to in New York, for example, um, they are selling their real estate and their people are working from home. So what are the needs for transportation with um, the way that COVID has transformed our business community, the way we deliver services, and also what are the needs going to be for transportation? I think we need to relook at that. I also agree with um, some of the costs that have been put into the Special Transportation Fund. They need to be pulled out. I'm not sure that was done way before I was elected, why those are actually in there. Um, That would give us much more clarity as to the monies that are in the Special Transportation Fund and how they are spent. Um, Also, I do agree with um, uh, Representative O'Day about the sales tax and putting more funding into um, the Special Transportation Fund in that manner. But I do think that Um, transportation obviously is a priority. We need to come together to figure out the best way to provide the funds that are necessary to upgrade our transportation systems, but we need to know what that's gonna look like. Are we gonna have as many people commuting as we were previously? I know that many folks that live in Greenwich that were working in New York, they're not even taking transportation any longer, not just because of COVID, but because now they're working at their homes. So I do think that we need to have a reassessment as far as that is concerned Uh, before we move forward. I am a little concerned, Um, you know, there is the um, secretary elect of transportation in Washington announced his um, idea of a uh, national gas tax that he has floated, even though it is very regressive in its nature. Uh, That is something that's concerning if, if that goes through, plus our gas tax here in the state of Connecticut, what is that gonna look like for our middle class citizens that not necessarily have the opportunity to work out of their homes and have to travel the furthest um, to get to work. So all those things I think need to be considered. And I'm hoping that we can do that in a bipartisan way so that again, all ideas are on the table.
1: Fantastic. Would anyone else Uh, like to go ahead, go ahead, Senator. Thank you. Uh, So, you know, I I
2: appreciate everybody's um, comments on on this. many of us, Uh, on this have been on transportation. I'm on transportation right now. Um, I think that all ideas should be on the table, but I I would remind people that uh, should we move more expenses into uh, the general fund and more revenue out of the general fund, it will impact some of the um, areas that we cannot impact. And that is the social service network that we have. Um, our nonprofits are essentially small businesses. Uh, they hire many people. And to expect them to go years and years without um, uh, properly funding uh, them is unacceptable. And if we move more money out of the Uh, general fund into the special transportation fund and we move more expenses in the ultimate goal uh, that what will happen is we will see a decrease in uh, services in areas where um, we moved former state um, jobs into the private nonprofit uh, sector uh, that uh, essentially uh, dropped our uh, costs down on the general fund side of things. In regards to transportation itself, it is true that the upper echelons of our economies uh, uh, are now working from home, but that is not true for what we call essential workers, those that work in nursing homes or group homes. Uh, They took public transportation every day to go to that nursing home uh, where our moms and dads are, uh, that uh, group home where we take care of the most fragile residents in the state of connecticut uh, th- those people took public transportation every day now they were not on trains they were on buses and the, uh and those that took the um uh that public transportation did not see a decrease uh in ridership to the extent that um uh, trains saw a decrease in ridership and uh, we actually uh, provide more subsidies for trains than we do for uh, buses in our special transportation uh, system. So I think that there is a lot to look at, I agree, uh, but I'm hoping that people step back from the partisanship uh, and say that we're going to and uh, uh, move uh, more expenses into the general fund, uh, which happened well before I think any of our times. Um, and, and um, take that revenue out. Because uh, those small businesses, those nonprofits, which employ thousands and thousands of our residents and take care of thousands and thousands of our residents uh, will be the ones that are impacted.
1: Perfect. Representative Rojas, would you like to add anything?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, right. Um, the one
4: thing I will say are there are, are likely no popular uh, solutions to addressing the transportation <laughs> issue. But then again, we're not elected to only act on popular things. We're elected to make hard decisions whether they're popular or not. And the reality is, you know, the gas tax at the federal level hasn't been raised since 1993. Inflation has gone up 77 percent since then. Uh, The state gas tax, I don't think, has been raised since the late 1990s. In fact, in the late 1990s, it was politically popular, I'm sure. Uh, We reduced the gas tax, right? And that has all ramifications for the decisions that we have to make today. Um, and largely we've been handed a system, uh, all of us, I think, that I'm, all of my colleagues here on this panel, we've been handed a system that most of us had no business in in designing. Um, so we have been set up in this way, you know, when personnel costs were moved into the STF 30, 40 years ago, um, you know, that In hindsight, which is 2020, probably not the best decision to do that if we really want to dedicate these limited resources to actual infrastructure improvements. But the other side of that is, is you do have to pay for personnel to get these projects done, whether it's the engineers who are designing our projects or the folks on our highways who are building them. Um, Those are costs that go that have to be factored into transportation and we have to fund them. Um, So we know we have limited options to do that. Tolls seems to be off the table. The House chair of the of the Transportation Committee has indicated they're not even going to have a hearing on that. So that's off the table. Uh, increasing the gas tax is popular with no one. Um, so that, that we'll have to see how a conversation around that goes. Uh, We do know that the governor recently signed an MOU on the transportation climate initiative. I think we all need to learn a bit more about that, but that likely will have the effect of increasing gas taxes, um, and we'll have to see exactly how that revenue that's generated from that comes back to Connecticut to invest in our infrastructure. But we all know, I think, those of us on the panel and those who are participating um, from CBIA now know it's one of the most critical issues that we're dealing with as a state. So um, does it require a bipartisan solution? I think it does. I think... Uh, the best policy is often bipartisan policy, and I, I think we can get there. Um, beyond looking at funding sources, I think we also need to look at governance um, and how we do this. Right now, uh, there's, I think the state DOT has too much on their plate, and I think we have an opportunity here to devolve some of the decision-making and responsibility down to our councils of governments and our metropolitan planning organizations, which are these entities that most people have no idea exist but exist and their governing bodies are made up of our locally elected officials. And I think we need to empower them and give them additional resources to make a lot more decisions that should be made at the local level about what the speed limit is on a particular road or a local bridge that needs to be fixed. Let the folks closest to those projects make those decisions and and free up uh, a capacity at the state level for DOT to, to to focus on airports, to focus on rail and to focus on our highway systems.
1: Fantastic. So we're running very short on time, Um, so I would ask, you know, I want to start getting into the audience questions, uh, and I would just ask that going forward, we all keep our uh, answers as brief as possible, just so everyone can weigh in when they want to. one of the questions that, that have been submitted, and I guess it's one of the questions that is submitted, no matter what the topic is or what the public hearing is, but um, what is the outlook on recreational marijuana in the coming uh, legislative session? And I'm going to add a little bit to that, you know, and if you are a supporter of that or or, in, or if you're not, um, you know, and they decide to pass, would you still be supportive of uh, businesses being able to continue to test employees in order to ensure the safety of the workers uh, on the job site. So whoever wants to uh, jump in on that, by all means. I'll I'll jump
2: in first uh, just to um, start the discussion. First, on the business community, there are jobs right now that um, have federal consequences, and us uh, uh, approving uh, recreational marijuana, should we do that or not, need to understand that um, jobs that uh, work, people that work at Electric Boat or any of our manufacturers that are interfacing with the federal government or any job that requires a CDL uh, have to have the ability to test um, um, uh, their employees. I'm hoping that if people are looking at um, uh, supporting uh, recreational marijuana, they'll also consider supporting things like the Drug uh, resource enforcement officers, the uh, DREs, that have been unfunded for a number of years, that were, that al- allow um, those uh, state troopers and municipal officers to test people uh, uh, on the road for uh, for drugs. Uh, relative to marijuana, it's uh, something that can be done. Uh, it does cost money, but we should be doing things like that to make sure that uh, that this is a rounded program that is not just looking at allowing people to have recreational marijuana without uh, any of the consequences of driving while intoxicated.
3: Um, if I can add Please. from a public health perspective, there are three issues. Number one, there's no test that can test you for acute intoxication with marijuana. Um, that is a big problem. There's also no ability at this point in time to know what the dosage is that you're getting within, whether it's a, a gummy bear or a lollipop, there's no measurement of dosage. That's, that's also an issue. So you don't really know how much of the uh, intoxicant you're getting in the product that you are purchasing. Um, As Senator Austin has mentioned, I represent Groton with Electric Boat. Um, The former president had made it very clear that if Connecticut legalizes marijuana, it could put them at jeopardy for government contracts because they have to certify that their workforce is able and ready to, to finish the contracts in the submarines. And I'm sure that's the same for Sikorsky, et cetera. And when you're competing against Virginia, where Uh, marijuana is not legalized, that could be a consideration in government contracts, which is concerning because they are one of the largest employers. And that also goes according to CDL licenses also. Um, The other thing is there are significant public health impacts. Um, We are now a state that is um, banning smoking under 21. We are looking at banning flavors for vaping. And then we turned around and said, but it's okay to smoke marijuana. Um, The public health committee would have a difficult time um, saying that smoking anything is okay. And one of the things that we want to ensure is that if this legislation is pushed forward, that it comes in front of the Public Health Committee, which we think is absolutely uh, necessary. The last few times this bill has been in, it has skirted public health, which we think is a mistake. Um, But if this legislation is to go forward, um, I would like to see the revenue that is generated to be dedicated towards um, opiate addiction and all the other things that we're fighting here in the state of Connecticut. and that being said, I, I think that we should look at other states where marijuana has been uh, recreationalized and it is legal and look at the revenue generated, but also the cost associated with the legalization of marijuana. And I think you would find a very different picture if you looked at it in a more holistic approach.
1: Perfect. Yeah, Eric, I'm happy to com- comment. as well. if You could do a very short uh, for both representatives. Yeah, absolutely. So tw- 15, 20 seconds or less, if possible. I'm sorry. Sure. We, of course, need we, of
4: course, need to be sensitive to workforce issues. The reality is, is that it's illegal in 11 states in the D- District of Columbia and it's uh, legal for medical purposes in 34 states, including Connecticut. Right. So I'm pretty sure we can figure it out based on the experience that we're seeing around the country. Um, and the reality is, if it's legal in Massachusetts, and it's going to be legal in New York and legal in New Jersey. Um, folks are consuming it already, and they're driving to those states. So, you know, there are legitimate questions around public health and enforcement and all those things. Right now, you know, you can you you can get a driving while impaired um, if an officer determines that you've consumed cannabis. So, there there are ways around that. We need to improve all of them, um, but you know, we're long
1: overdue for addressing this issue.
5: I would just add that uh, in in. Due respect to my good friend, uh, Representative Rojas, I'm a heck no.
1: That is a perfect way to uh, to end this segment. First of all, I want to thank all of you for... Uh, the time you spent. I know you were incredibly busy at this time of year. There's uh, committee meetings going on every single day up at the state legislature. Um, And we really appreciate the time that you've given to uh, the CBIA business community um, this morning. So uh, thank you, uh, Senator Austin, Senator Summers, Representative O'Day, and Representative Rojas. We really appreciate your time.
0: For the latest Connecticut business news, events, and resources, visit cbia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on LinkedIn and Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.